Star Wars 7x7 episode 3388. Today, this is, I believe, the penultimate episode of us checking out the characters that we met in the Ahsoka series and talking about the things that we learned about them over the course of the series. Today, we are going to be talking about Balin Skull. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So Balin's skull was quite the presence in the Ahsoka series. And as I've said a lot of times on this podcast, uh, for the late lamented Ray Stevenson, who is no longer with us, who passed away in May of this year. For so many reasons, that is obviously a tragedy for him to be passing as young as he was, and also because he was immensely talented and what he brought to the Ahsoka series was nothing short of remarkable. As far as his character Balin's skull goes, well, you know, it's really fascinating because we know that he was raised in the Jedi Temple and we know that he survived Order 66 and that he became a mercenary, but the fact that he survived to ply his trade and seemingly to do so while still using Force abilities is rather remarkable. Anybody who had been demonstrating Force abilities, as far as we knew, was either, you know, a Jedi hunted down by Darth Vader and the Inquisitorious, or was kind of co-opted into the Inquisitorious or made to be a bad guy in some fashion. But it seems like Balin was able to operate outside of those parameters. And not only that, but to take an apprentice in Shinhati and train her in the ways of the Force as well. So yeah, there's some bit of backstory there that I think we know. We have to understand how it is that Balin was able to operate as a Force user out in the open and not get in trouble for it, basically. And then the other thing that is particularly fascinating about his experience at that level is that he seems to know who Anakin Skywalker turned out to be. This is continuing to be less and less of a deep, dark, galactic secret. As we continue on with storytelling in the galaxy far, far away, it seems like more and more people are privy to this particular bit of knowledge. Remember, it used to be that Palpatine and Vader were the only people who knew this particular secret, but then it turned out through the course of the original trilogy that Yoda knew and Obi-Wan Kenobi knew and then eventually Luke knew and then he told Leia. So yeah, it still seemed like a pretty narrow set of people who knew the truth about Vader. But in the intervening years since, Thrawn knows and Tarkin knows and Ahsoka knows and other people know, Balin Skull knows, yeah, so... (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it is what it is. And that's fine. It can still be pretty much a closely guarded secret, comparatively speaking. It doesn't necessarily invalidate the stuff that happens in, say, the Bloodline novel, where it becomes known to the wider galaxy just who Darth Vader was. But I digress. So Balin, powerful in the Force, a mercenary who survived Order 66, and who is apparently aware that there is a greater power potentially accessible to him in the Force. And this seems to be why he is working with Morgan Elspeth, aside from just being hired for the job. But the fact that he knows that there's something for him wherever Grand Admiral Thrawn is that would allow him access to power beyond anyone's wildest imaginings, he has to be aware of that at some point, because otherwise, why is he working with her and why is he saying something about this to Shim? 
So that's another bit of backstory stuff that I think would be fascinating to know. Once they get to Peridia, one of the things that he says to Shin is that it's a land of dreams and madness, which is a very compelling thing to say, yet we don't actually see a demonstration of dreams or madness there. But again, he is clearly connecting to something else going on beneath the surface or on the other side of the veil that is kind of cast over our eyes and just makes the physical world look like the only world that's there. He senses some sort of greater power on Peridia that Shin maybe can kind of feel, but not so much. However, you know, he's also aware, Balin is, that this power could be the thing that was making the witches want to leave Dathomir, the Great Mothers. This used to be the Witch Kingdom of the Dathomiri, but maybe it is also something else because as we see at the end of the series, Balin going on his particular version of a vision quest finds the statues of the father and the son and the daughter with an asterisk, the Mortis gods who you know date all the way back to season three of the Clone Wars and this is a big deal. The daughter represented the light side of the force, the son represented the dark side of the force, and the father represented the balance of the force, keeping the light and the dark in balance and there's some very incredible implications for the fact that statues of the mortis gods are appearing on peridia which we're going to have to explore in depth in another episode i do want to close the loop on the statue of the daughter that i mentioned the asterisk thing because it is in a crumbled state and that also has to do with what happened to the daughter on mortis and it also ties into ahsoka herself because she's carrying life energy from that mortis god the daughter to get to those statues though, I think just the laugh out loud moment for me, and I don't know if it was really an intentional laugh out loud moment, but when Ahsoka robs Balin of his transportation, and Balin just looking up at the sky and his immense and supreme frustration like all playing out on his face, like I could just feel that so strongly. It was just like, why God, why? The frustration was just so palpable, and I laughed out loud when I saw it. It was just so brilliantly played. Now, there's a moment where Shin asks Balin if he misses the Jedi Order, and he says the idea of it, but not the truth of it, not the weakness in it, and there was no future in it, but he's seeing the possibility of something greater, which presumably is a pure connection to the Force, and also one that is more direct and powerful, and, you know, he certainly... He doesn't necessarily seem like he's interested in traditional ideas of good and bad, if you will. So what he actually wants to do with that power, yeah, that's really kind of an open question. You don't necessarily get the idea that he is a power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely kind of person. There does seem to be something resembling a bit of honor in him and some awareness that it is a shame potentially to kill a Jedi when there are so few Force users left in the galaxy. But we also know that he doesn't particularly care about the possibility of unleashing Grand Admiral Thrawn on the galaxy far, far away and what it could mean for people in the galaxy for just, you know, the general populace, basically. He seems to have no concern about that, and so that 
would suggest that his intentions ultimately are going to be on the less honorable side if he's able to get a hold of the kind of power that he seems to be seeking on Peridia. So that's what I've got for you in talking about Bale and Skull, meeting him in the Ahsoka series and what we learn about him. And that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyrighted by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.